You're listening to the B&H Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, B&H has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the BH app to your iPhone or Android device. Now here's your host, Alan Whites. Greetings and welcome to the B&H Photography Podcast. Before we get to today's guest, photographer Ashok Sinha, we have a special giveaway to announce. Most of you remember the wonderful episode we did a few months back with Jay Maisel and Stephen Wilkes, in which they talked about the making of the film Jay Myself, a documentary made by Stephen Wilkes about the living legend himself, Jay Maisel. Well, the movie's completed, and it's in theaters, and we are fortunate enough to be sponsoring a private screening of the movie right here in New York City. Here's the cool part. We have 40 free tickets to give away to listeners who can make it to the August 4th screening here in town. As a bonus, after the screening, there's going to be a Q&A with Stephen Wilkes. We're all going to be there, and we'd love to meet you, but more so, we're pleased to thank our community of listeners with this free screening and Q&A. Here's the deal. The private screening will be on Sunday, August 4th at 6 p.m. at the Film Forum Movie Theater on West Houston Street in New York City. If you are able to attend, all you have to do is say so. We have 40 tickets to give away, and we're going to be giving them away on a first-come, first-served basis, either by joining the B&H Photography Podcast Facebook group and requesting your ticket from the site, or by sending a request to podcast at bhphoto.com. A maximum of two tickets per person will be allocated, and please do not request a ticket if you know you cannot possibly be in town on Sunday evening, August 4th at 6 p.m. That said, feel free to pass this offer along to friends located in the New York metropolitan area, because this is a once-in-a-lifetime chance not only to see this great film, but meet Stephen Wilkes and maybe even the man himself, Jay Maisel. Again, to request a free ticket to the screening of Jay Myself, join our Facebook group page and request a ticket or email us at podcast at bhphoto.com. And now on with today's show. Ashok Sinha is a well-rounded photographer and filmmaker. He makes his living shooting architecture and interior design photography, but he's also quite adept at shooting large-scale landscapes, human interest stories, and portraiture. His photographs have been widely published by editorial outlets, including the New York Times, Time Magazine, Interior Design, and he's exhibited by the Museum of the City of New York, the International Center of Photography, and the Royal Photographic Society. Sinha is also the founder of the Cartwheel Initiative, a nonprofit that works with displaced and refugee youth, which empowers these young people to tell their stories through the use of photography and multimedia. Welcome, Ashok. Okay, we are joined by Ashok Sinha, and you spoke earlier about an interesting program that you're working on that is, uh, I'm going to really summarize, I'm going to have you elaborate on it. It's it's putting cameras into the hands of young people who've been through some kind of trauma in their life, and it's sort of an art therapy, for lack of better words in my understanding, to get these kids to be able to express themselves and their feelings, good and bad feelings, through photography. Yeah, I think you summed it up pretty well. I think it's a matter, it's a not only just uh, therapy, it's uh, like you said, it's giving them a voice because uh, uh-huh, we, right. we, we feel like uh, cameras um, can be used as a tool to uh, express, like you said, you know, self-expression, but also tell their stories mm-hmm. and help understand their concepts of community and home because um, these young people have been through displacement and uh, 
migration and those ideas are not developed enough. You know, so they, these are primarily kids from other countries who've come here? Correct. Okay. Yeah, this program started overseas in, uh, in uh, post-war Sri Lanka and we worked there. Okay. And then from there, we brought the concepts and the learnings to New York City where there are a, a lot of kids who come from, you know, they are refugees or displaced and they come from different countries. The, the sort of luxury we have in New York is that there are kids from different backgrounds from pretty much all over the world. You're not really alone in that <laughs> sense here. No, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I think we would be said that after working overseas, I said, how can we use those learnings to create something here in our own backyard and where these kids are li literally are not even, nobody even knows that they exist in a lot of cases. And how can we give them this tool to give them a voice and tell them who they are um, where they're from, what they're about, and more importantly, what are their experiences now that, that they're in the, in the States, and what is their new home like? Mm. How are you finding these kids? I mean, what, what's, what's the, the central... Yeah. 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 Uh, well, um, a lot through our partners we work with. We worked uh, in a program in a school, in an international school in Manhattan. There's one in every borough. Okay. And there's a school specifically for the kids from this background. So we worked, and so there's one, that was one instance we ran an after-school program. Then we worked with the Refugee Resettlement Agency in New Jersey for a very small workshop. Um, and then we're, you know, we're constantly on the lookout for um, mostly grassroots organizations um, versus big organizations because I think then our workshops are more effective mm -hmm. and we want to work with smaller groups. Now, were you, is this something you initiated or was this, uh, was this a movement that you had seen starting and you just grabbed on and joined it? Uh, no, actually, I'm, I'm the one who uh, initiated it. <laughs> so you are uh, the seed, uh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it actually came up from a very personal experience working overseas in Sri Lanka and uh, coming back and really thinking how I could give back uh, instead right. of just telling their stories, how I can really give back. And I was, you know, after talking to a lot of people I knew, we had a good group of artists that we work with and they all said, decided that, hey, you know, we could put a ragtag volunteer group and maybe teach them what we know and maybe that'll lead to something. And that led to collaboration between kids who have been through war, between kids who have been through the tsunami and brought them together, created a sense of community. And then that concept, that idea came over to the States and said, we can do, you know, take those learnings and do similar things here. And now you needed tools to do this. Which corporations uh, helped you out along the way? Well, I mean, we were very lucky um, because of my commercial career. Uh, I, I come in contact with a lot of different corporations and uh, sometimes I'm, I don't hesitate to ask and some people are very you turn generous. turn on the charm and you go for it. Yeah, so go okay. for it. Yeah, go uh -huh. for it. You know, uh, I would say in the earlier times, I would say, again, I'm on the VNH podcast, but VNH was a supporter of our, of our program through its camera, camera uh, liaisons and manufacturers. Uh, we've gotten grants from the Adobe Foundation mm -hmm. uh, to work with. We have partners such as the Children's Museum of the Arts that we work with in the past. Uh, we've had other nonprofits that have come together uh, who have given us equipment. Uh, then there are individuals who always support us. Sometimes we ran programs such as donating used cameras for a pint of beer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> great, great idea. I like that. That's one thing about the photographic community. We hear that a lot on this podcast is that the photographic community really does pitch in in all different ways. We've heard a lot of different yes. stories of how strangers who were photographers heard about somebody having a problem or a project and sure they throw in something they give something sure. they add they help and I the first time around did you have the, the, let's say the first time you did this what were the cameras that you were throwing around not that we really i'm not too worried about oh, the cameras but was it was kind of a ragtag group or whatever you could get and no digital cameras or was it 
Actually, we raised money. We raised money and we got donations. You know, we got brand new like point and shoot uh, cameras. I think I think they were a mixer m mix of uh, Canon and Olympus cameras, mm -hmm. if I remember mm -hmm. correctly. Mm -hmm. And we wanted them to be simple cameras. So certain yeah. learnings we learned is that cameras that actually ran on AA batteries were better for us than the charging ones. Mm -hmm because you can use them anywhere in the field. You don't have to find an outlet True. in places where there's no electricity or right. hard to find or when there's only one outlet and 40 cameras. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, things you learn. And those in the past few years are coming a little bit harder to find, at yes. least new ones anyway. Yeah, know? so yeah. we relied on used cameras quite uh -huh. a bit and then we started also, sometimes we thought we never got around to it, but using mobile phones mm -hmm. because those are easier in and a way. And everyone's got them now. And everyone's got them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's kind of what we use used um, and then we we kind of stuck to this whole point and shoot thing because again it, it is a camera but we didn't want the kids to get lost in the technology it shouldn't sure, be about technology sure, exactly sure. yeah yeah it should, the tool itself it should be transparent okay yeah. it's, it's the least between you and your subject right. the best and then we also gave him the other things with some of the things we did we give him smaller size memory cards because going back to the days of film we used to tell him like when you show a picture to the class, I want you to answer one question. Why did you take this picture? Uh -huh. Not because you felt like it, not because the memory card can fit in thousands of pictures. I mean, we do this, do this as, as artists all the time. Like, you know, we want to make a statement in every little shot we do. So we want to really think, have them think through, saying, here, you have a roll of film, got only 24 frames on it. Uh, how do you use them wisely? And once you're out of that memory card, you're done. You can't get any more. So we relied on, you know, and then cameras too. We didn't rely on zoom lenses. Well, even we said, like at Eddie Adams workshop, which is a whole other thing. Yeah. As you guys know, they do a version yeah. of that too. Yeah, it's like, yeah. here's your memory card. End of the day, give it back, you know, and yeah. that's it. We take everything off. Exactly. It, you know? Exactly. And in, in seeing the work that, you know, the kids produce, and especially when you're looking at kids from different communities, different cultural heritages, what do you, and having gone through some similar or not quite so traumatic experiences, what kind of themes do you see running through the work that they produce? Is there anything that you can point to? And, uh, and do you put them through kind of like uh, exercises to say, okay, today let's look at shapes, tomorrow let's look at colors and things like that? Um, sure. Um, going back to the concepts of home and community, I think portraiture is a big part of it. Mm. Um, and also observing um, the unnoticed. Um, a lot of times there'd be objects that you and me could be an object, but to them has a whole different story to it as to why. Like one of the exercises we did, like, what did you bring from your home country? Uh, and why is that important? And people and kids brought something from their home and they photographed it. Could have been a necklace, could have been whatever. They said, no, but I held on to it when I was traveling because that gave me comfort and reminded me of home. So there are a lot of different um, commonalities. Uh, landscape being landscape, it was important, but then we tried, we always tried to include some element to, to see why is that, why is that important? Like, are you standing in front of your house? Why, why here? Why not there? Why is this cool? You know, stuff like that. You know, this reminds me of what you're saying. A few weeks ago, we uh, were talking with uh, Ron Aviv, who has the Lost Film America project where lost, people- Lost roles. Lost yeah. roles, okay. Yes, yeah. And it, it's about, you find a roll of film in your, in your drawer that's send it to them and they'll develop for you and then select a picture. And what's interesting is that some of the pictures that people selected, you'd look at me and go, what is this about? But the story that is connected to that photograph is phenomenal. And it's kind of similar to what you're saying sure. right here. People see things and they connect on the strangest levels and it could be a really deep feeling and it could be a rock. Yeah. Exactly, and I think we, we, we actually used a lot of that in terms of also 
developing other skills like language, uh, English language, sure. um, writing. And a lot of the captions came from their writing, which were written before. It was essays and homework assignments. Mm -hmm. So those became captions of the pictures. So there was a so whole it's process. It's more than just taking pictures. This Correct. is a very... Storytelling. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. hard work and it's, uh, yeah. it's uh, involved, you know, and it, it was, I think the students got an amazing job in documenting uh, communities and places where, you know, nobody's seen a camera before, even like photographing their own families. They're not used to somebody coming into the homes and photographing them. You know what I mean? Uh, it's not in their culture. It's not, I mean... It was something foreign, uh, so to even give, uh, you know, give that license, so to speak, to go into something like that, I think that was brave on the students' part to even photograph people in the community they see every day. And the Sunday yeah. they show up with a camera, and say, "Hey, you know what? I want to take a picture because I'm, yeah, yeah because absolutely. you're important to me as yeah. a member of my community." It's a whole and different dynamic. That was a lot. Yep. That was a lot of guts and a lot of uh, you know. Is there a, a a venue where this work can be seen by the public? Yeah, there's our, you know, cartwheelinitiative.org uh, is our website. And we have a small selection of the photos and the films that were made by the kids. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're always looking for venues. We've done exhibitions in schools and, uh, you know, uh, nonprofit uh, offices and whatnot. Uh, we've done little film festivals kind of thing in the past. Uh, but we're always looking for places. How many, what percentage of the, of the students that you deal with connect with the camera? I imagine it's not everybody. Some no. people probably can't, but is it a high percentage? I'm assuming it is. Um, people connect with the camera. So we have, a, you know, we also have done in the past animation projects where it is not necessarily f taking photos, but using the camera as to take pictures Understood. to create animation. Yeah. So some kids who are more into drawing, they use the camera to in that fashion. Uh -huh. But some of the kids who are into, like I would say, uh, there's something interesting about people in the cameras or kids with cameras. They immediately become different people, you know, and they start noticing things that sometimes are not directed. And uh, they just go completely different personalities. So like a shy kid in the beginning of the semester, uh, the same kid at the end of the semester would not hesitate to go up and show his entire presentation to the class or to the school. So they really connect with because it's also very instant, right? And they get the instant yeah. gratification, yeah. feedback, yeah. whatever yeah. you call it. Yeah. Uh, but some of the kids, like you know, like the ones with the animation pieces, I mean, take 15 pictures to make one second of film, yeah. and that's a lot of that's tedious. That's a lot of dedication. Yes, and yes. Some good skills to start learning. Yeah, too, and some yeah. kids are just yeah, yeah, yeah. like like that. You know, they just like to be focused and doing. Mm. But there's a, the element of collaboration is there everywhere because you're making the films together. If you're taking photographs, you do it in groups, mm -hmm. you edit it together, and you show the work together. So there's regardless if you if you didn't want didn't want to talk to somebody, you'd have to. <laughs> because that's the nature of the project. Which is also obviously a great skill and yeah. one that photography can teach you. And yeah. obviously for kids who are Absolutely. dealing with stuff and trying sure. to find new homes. Yeah. Incredibly yeah. important. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Can you kind of tell us where your professional work blended into this the project and then we can maybe walk back sure. to some of your professional sure. work? Yeah. So was, there a, was there a time and place? Well, I mean, at that time I was doing more editorial work. Mm -hmm. uh, and that led to my assignment that led to me being in... The, in Sri Lanka to do this project. Okay. Uh, nowadays, I do a lot more commercial work. Where, where is, where's home base? Where do you do most of your work? Uh, New York, New okay. York City. All right. Uh, but I was on an assignment in Sri Lanka uh, for a client, uh, and that was more editorial, mm -hmm. and that led to that. Right. Okay. Um, and then 
I, I work mostly commercially now, uh, and then a lot of my work uh, is in you know either in advertising or mostly commercial architecture work, mm -hmm. interiors work, which is different from what I did. But I never forgot my sensibilities. Say, for example, my days of working uh, f photographing for the Times, I still have to turn in something uh -huh. and, and not have any excuses. Right. I just consider every assignment like that. So I think my sensibilities are still the same. Uh, my clients are different. Um, and, you know, honestly, I really enjoy what I do. I, I, I really have a love for design and, and architecture. And that is really manifested from my years of working editorial and mm -hmm. picking and choosing. And then the other stuff, I still have fine artwork, which I work through galleries and whatnot, um, which I show. Uh, so I try to maintain a, 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 a decent and balanced artistic Sounds career. wonderfully balanced. You know? yeah. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I try. You're having yeah. your cake and you're eating it too. It's kind of neat. <laughs> and helping out on the side, which is good. Doing a good thing. I try, I try. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. So, but you I mean you at least from how I've found your work, uh, you're introducing yourself as much as an architectural photographer as anything else, correct? Correct. And yeah. And you have a, a series that you've been working on, and it's now yes. turned into a book. So. Yeah. The last yeah, few yeah, years have yeah. been kind of working in architecture, and again, as as all artists would tell you, the real work is the personal work. Yeah. And um, what I, I I've been working, I go to Los Angeles quite a bit, mm -hmm. and I've been going there for the last decade or so. Um, and what really can, I'm also a car guy, which is aside from my photography, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love cars and, uh, LA is really a car city mm -hmm. and, uh, I've oh, been, yeah. you know, I, I just love that whole culture of it. <laughs> but as a, you know, but what I've started noticing in the last few years was the architecture that was built for the car, yeah, uh, at a time where surface streets were important before highways came by or, um, and there was these buildings and whatnot that were essentially built to draw your attention to the design and, and bring you in, so to speak. Mm. As you're driving by, it's more about the design element yes. to get your attention Correct. The buildings and the cars had fins. Correct. <laughs> Once exactly. upon a time. Yes. And it's, <laughs> and it's but, true. But I know in certain places that I've been, there are certain structures, and I'm sure you know this, are designed specifically for their access, their, and sure. their exits, their ingress and egress uh, for, for autos, right? Yeah. I'm sure you've seen that all the time. Yeah, there's, right? there are buildings like that. I mean, there's a building, a photograph called the Donut Hole. It's okay. actually a donut you drive through oh, and you come yeah. on the other side yeah, with a cup of, of coffee. And, and then you have all the drive-ins <laughs> which are essentially well, yeah, 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 like yeah. plug your car in and unplug when you're finished. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. And then, you know, I focus on this, uh, this whole original design and this in this series, and uh, it, you know, it had to be built by in a certain period, and it's still working as a business, mm -hmm. uh, which okay. is a big component. It's not relics of the past, so to speak. Um, so I've tried to approach this uh, these this, these sites uh, only in Greater Los Angeles from a completely design and architecture perspective, gotcha. as to why it was important and why perhaps as we move to a whole other driverless society. Uh, what does this become? Yeah. How does urban planning become and whatnot, right? Oh, right. So um, taking it to another level. It's correct. not just like another roadside attraction. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever been to Wildwood, New Jersey? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. It's, it's a natural for what you do. Yes, it's, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it is. But at the same time, like I, I try to keep it because LA was the original car oh, yes. city. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. things were built there for, for especially for that uh, population, mm -hmm. you know, which is still used today. I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, and have you noticed some reasons why uh, a business, and I'm sure there's many, uh, has been able to sustain or maintain itself in this kind of original form or original idea where others have, have passed away? Sure, I think it's, it's still become relevant mm -hmm. to the community. I yeah. think a lot of these places were also gathering places for the community, and the community soon realized yeah. that since these were disappearing, 
they had to do something to keep them around. Uh. And so there's a whole movement around this design preservation and still is. I mean, not all of them are protected and I hope that this work will kind of lend into that a little bit. But I think people realize that, yes, good design is important and just a box with something is not that attractive. Mm. You got to have something else mm. um, to make it a vibrant community. So I think certain businesses have, dis- have survived only because of that. Some businesses have been lucky because they have patrons who are powerful and they said this has to be maintained because this is who we are. Yeah. You know, again, uh, a signature exa- of a community. You know? Any examples, like uh, some buildings you can talk about? Uh, sure, yeah. sure. Um, you know, like, uh, for example, um, there is um, the norms on La Cienega Boulevard in Los Angeles and it's iconic because there have been, war- you know, there's been paintings, there's been uh, work done in the past, there's iconic signage, mm-hmm. there's lighting, there's this design, and there was, it was actually under the threat of demolition, and the community came together and said, no, no, we have to protect this. Mm-hmm. You know, like, even the oldest McDonald's, which is still in operation in Downey, California, um, that is there because there was a reason for it to be preserved, oh, because in the design yeah. element, it was yeah. owned by the brothers and wasn't demolished. The first oh. two are no longer there, but this is the oldest operating McDonald's today. And it, it, so, but it would still be operating as a business. They probably would have changed the design for some purpose if it hadn't been. There was a lot of so. there was a lot of pressure to actually make it updated, so to speak. Yeah. But then they kept it. And, and it, it, thank goodness. Yes, <laughs> thank goodness. Right. Yeah. And and there's you know like there are coffee shops and whatnot which are simply there because of this reason. And what I want to do with my work is that I want people to go out and discover these things. Not only in Los Angeles, but also in their own backyard. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, because yeah. there's so many things like that. Seek and you shall find. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I have a question about uh, the, the photographs that I've seen are all square. Um, and I found that it was kind of interesting that you chose a square. I mean, square is kind of good because it's square. <laughs> it's, you, you could sort of fit things in. But a lot of the subjects that you're photographing, the buildings and the cars, are really horizontal. Is there a reason why you went for a square format? I would say it's, it's not exactly square-ish. Square, oh, okay. <laughs> square-ish. Right. square-ish. The reason is because I photographed in a way, um, I'm using a lot of tilt-shift lenses, and I, you know, I, I, I make it into a certain, I want to make it into a certain shape. Gotcha. And a lot of the times when I'm photographing them, they lend to that shape, and I feel like it captures the field of view I want to capture. Which, which cameras are you shooting with? I shoot with Canon. Uh, lenses and cameras. Okay, so uh, you are shooting, it's basically, they are mostly horizontal images that you're cropping and the tilt shift corrects there. Because again, I, there's no keystoning. The stuff is correctly rendered. Because these are uh, not just one image. These Aha. are these are tilt shift images that are that are built together mm. uh, to make into one image. Okay. Oh. Can you talk a little bit about that? that sure, sure. So, um, you know, as in tilt shift, for example, the biggest thing is architectural work uh, we deal with is uh, perspective yes, and perspective correction. Yes, it can be done in post. You know, we all do it once in a while. But there's nothing like doing it in, in the cam- camera. Which right. I learned, which I, is my long, you know, my, 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 whatever, my core of what I understand is, is photographers to just do it right in front of you. Because uh-huh. then even if you do something later on, things are much better, easier, less expensive, looks a lot better. Mm-hmm. Again. Yeah. I think there's some true, true, you know, some trueness to that craft, you know. Course, yeah. So when I photograph it, I want to do it the right way to uh, maintain that perspective and also that angle of view, so that I'm not guessing that I oh I have to shoot wide and then I have to like tilt it back in post and I lose some of the foreground and I lose some of the sky. No, no, no. This is exactly the way I'm seeing things. 
um, and this is how I want to photograph. And I'll give you a small side story. At the very beginning, because I shoot a lot of 4x5 stuff, and um, I used to actually have, when I first digital camera I was shooting with, I used to have a mask on my, like a focusing screen mm -hmm, mask yeah. that I would use to photograph. Because, and then I would just use that as a crop on my final pictures because that's, that's how, how I saw it. it. Oh. That's how I want to do it. Right. I don't want a, any extra thing around it. Mm -hmm. So I just work like that. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Uh, cool. Interesting. And, but the, how many photos will you take per, how many images will you take per photo? How do you want to call it? Oh, per image. So know, it that? depends. It, it's, it's, a, it's a balance of not only perspective correction, mm -hmm. it also is a balance of highlights and shadow management. Mm -hmm. So you can't get everything in one shot. Right. You know, I'm shooting a lot of these pictures you've seen. It's probably at dusk sometimes. Yeah, you go for the nighttime. magic hour a lot. Yep. Yeah. So to man to maintain that, I try to you know maybe have exposures for highlights and for shadows, um, and again for perspective. So and then that gets sort of painted. Mm -hmm. Back in the old darkroom days, I would kind of paint, and I would paint light into where I needed to, but not create it right. digitally, but create it. I would treat them as pieces to a puzzle mm -hmm. and put them together to show this is what this is how I want the picture to be. I mean, my, our eyes are amazing cameras. Unfortunately, cameras can yeah, replicate that. that. Our yeah, eyes do yeah. much better, yeah. our brains and eyes yeah. do much better corrections than any camera exactly. at all. And exactly. I'm wondering, like, do you find that less necessary with the newer cameras, the newer digital cameras with uh, such good shadow recovery and, and highlight recovery and, and, and so forth? Um, I find that less necessary, but not in extreme conditions. Yeah. I think when the light levels are pretty within the range. I mean, it's a lot less, and I w I'm amazed how much highlight recovery I can do these days. Yeah. You know, which was, you know, which once it was in the highlight, it was considered gone, mm. and now I'm like, wow, it's yeah. still there. So to your point, yeah, I think the, the, the better, I was, one thing I look in a camera is how much dynamic range it has. Yeah. <laughs> Me too, I'm a landscape guy, so okay. I, yeah, so yeah. Yeah. And, and do you, I don't know, label is the right word, but do you consider the images differently when it's, you're, let's say you're doing a job for an architectural client who really, whether it's a, a photo, a true photo, or a composite of photos, maybe it's not quite so important as it would be if it was an editorial decision. Does that, does that come into play a lot? Sure. In what you're making? Yeah, so for example, if I shoot a design story for a magazine, a lot of the times we're, we're capturing images which are not, in, they're carefully composed, but not carefully technically executed in a sense because we're trying to do a lot more mm -hmm. or these are meant to be like that because we're not trying to show we're trying to show the more um, sense of place mm -hmm. in a way in an editorial way right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so then <clears throat> there's a little bit of that if it's like really bright outside and it's not that bright inside there's a little bit of that but a lot of times it's okay for mm -hmm. editorial however for an arc for a design client you know you it's a given that yeah. you, you have to have right. look Yes, and just for way. the sake of that, do you, do you refer to both of them as photographs? Um, yes, I do refer to both of them as photographs. I think uh, the second one, I've, there's a little bit more sort of technical work mm -hmm. versus the first one. But, you know, the, the way we look at things don't change. I think that's the biggest thing, you know, at the end of the day is that your framing is a lot of it. Right? And how you see light is a lot of it, how you light things. I mean, okay, the editorial stuff, we don't necessarily light all the time because we're using, and that's when those cameras coming uh, come in as helpful um, because we're not, we're trying to 
show the story. I mean, we're starting to show the story as a design client too, but there's a lot of technical perfection that has to happen in addition to telling the story. Sure. Right, it's one thing, it's a, it's a correction the way you, it sounds like the way you're describing it as more of a correction than like a, using it as a expressive tool, is that, am I um, wrong? And we're both, we're ex, in both scenarios, we're still expressing the, the, the essence of the place. Right. You know, the design of the place, the use of the place, how it looks, why it is, why it is a certain way. Um, but the level of production is different. There's more production behind certain pictures, given the uh, the audience of that picture, whereas the other one is lesser production because that's how what is expected. If it's too produced, yeah. then it loses the essence of yeah. being. It doesn't what look it like is. a news photo. It doesn't exactly. look like a documentary. The format right. that they're meant for. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Wow, this conversation went all over the place. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so tell us, uh, unless you have any more questions. No. Uh, what do you do in your spare right. time? <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to think that. I've been trying to pick up my guitar again. Oh, wow. ah, okay. But it's been a it's been a it's been a struggle. I used yeah. to play a lot. Yeah. Um, now I try to uh, you know I don't know between uh, uh, between my work and my family running uh, fine artwork and whatnot. Sometimes I feel, you know somebody asked me the question the other day like. Do, what's your hobby? And I was like, oh my God, I'm yeah. one of those people that <laughs> like really um, work all the time. Yeah, yeah but, but, but no, no, is, no, no, there's a difference yeah. though because <laughs> your work you do with a passion, Which okay? Is, yeah. And that, it there's a blur. I mean, let's face it, you are living your hobby to a certain extent. True, absolutely. Okay. I, I asked my Hope wife. So, and and how many that. people get paid for their hobby? Yes, yes. That's <laughs> what I mean. I, you know, sometimes I feel like the whole, like, you know, I meet a lot of photographers and they're like, I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, although like, a lot of the work we do to run a studio is non-glamorous work. Exactly. Right? However, the passion is what drives all that. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, man, you're living your life. You're doing what you want to <laughs> yeah. do. And yeah. that's, that's, the, that's the beauty of Sounds it. Sounds yeah. like it. And you're, you have many little projects going on and, and they're in varied aspects of photography and you're giving back and all that stuff. So Exactly. Good job. Thank you yeah. very much. When's Thank the book you. coming out? Yeah. Tell, us, tell us about the book, where um, we can find it. Well, the book, hopefully, we're hoping for end of fall. Um, we're, you know, given it's a, you know, it's my first book and like my first child, I mean, I'm extra, extra careful mm -hmm. and I'm, uh, somebody told <laughs> me you're overthinking it. it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's done. Let's, let's go ahead with it. And I'm yeah. like, thinking, I know, I think a little bit left, but hopefully, yeah. um, this fall and the holidays, you know, uh, it'll come out. We, we have a title, I think, Tell called us. A Driver Full City. Uh -huh. Not uh -huh. The Driver Less, but The Driver Full uh -huh. City. Uh, okay, <laughs> all right, I like that. And, and is there a publisher that we can look to uh, when the time comes? Or? Yeah, there yeah. is a publisher. There are a couple of publishers uh, in the we're works. We're waiting to see how it works. Yeah, okay. okay. Right, you come back and you'll tell us when yeah. it's out. Good. Absolutely, we'll we'd love to. to. Yeah. Yeah, and love and to. the websites and stuff, tell us where people can see your photos. Uh, so they can go to my website, my, my name, Ashok. Uh, and then prints p-r-i-n-t-s dot com okay. that's my fine art and my uh, my fine art landscape work mm -hmm. and if they go to ashok sinha dot com they can see my commercial okay. architecture and that's a-s-h-o-k s-i-n-h-a uh -huh. that's correct yeah. alright cool Ashok, thank you so much for joining us. It was thank you. really Thanks good so talking with you. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay, that's a wrap of another show. If you are not a subscriber to the BH Photography Podcast, what are you waiting for? You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, and Spotify. It's free. And you can always find this on the BH Explorer website and the BH Photography Podcast Facebook group and tell them that Al sent you. For now, on behalf of Jason, John, and myself, thank you so much for tuning in today.